Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to the Effective Teaching Podcast. I'm Dan Jackson. I am the founder of Teachers PD. I've been teaching since 2006. I am an extremely passionate teacher, and I create this podcast. So thank you so much for coming and joining me. Today, we are doing another one of our book club episodes. So as I go through these episodes, I'm essentially going to tell you what you will learn from the book. And today's book is called Flipped Classroom. It is by John Bergman and Aaron Sams. And it is all about how to flip your classroom to make sure that you're having a great impact on your students. So I'm going to tell you all about what you will learn from them in this episode. Now, I have to start by saying that this book is actually quite an influential book for me personally on my teaching career path. So quite a while ago, I got introduced to flip learning. I started using it a little bit in my classroom and I was enjoying it. I thought I was doing a fairly decent job, but then I found this book and I read it. One of my friends introduced me to this book. And as I was reading it, it just really struck me how much better I could be implementing the flipped classroom approach. And it actually introduced me to what's called the flip mastery approach, which is now something that I use in every single one of my classes when I'm teaching. I use a flipped mastery approach, which is essentially called flipped learning instead of a flipped classroom. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that throughout the book, but this really impacted me. It changed the way that I teach it changed the quality of my students' learning in my classroom, and it enabled me to actually have fun, enjoyable, and engaging learning happening in my classroom that was rich and authentic for my students. Well, let's start by telling you what flipped learning is, right? What is a flipped classroom? So a flipped classroom is essentially when you take the lower order thinking, right? So it's your knowledge and understanding type level of thinking, and you shift that from your classroom space into the personal space, so into where the students are engaging with it. Now, often in flipped learning, that is done through video, but it can be done through audio like this. It could be a podcast, or it could also be done in a text version where the students are reading something. Lots of different ways for students to actually consume the basic level content. And then the flipping is that then when they come into your classroom, that's not the focus. The focus is then on the higher order thinking. So it's your critical thinking, it's your application, it's your problem solving, it's your creativity, it's your collaborative activities. And that's what you were starting to do then in the classroom space or in the common space. And so that is what John and Sam tell us about flipped classrooms that we are shifting to. It's not just doing your homework at home and doing the class um, yeah, what you used to do for homework in the classroom and what you normally do in the classroom at home. No, it's, it's much more than that. Basically, the argument is that the students don't need you as much during that bit of the content, right? As a student is reading content, they can, they can get that generally on their own. Obviously, there's some students who will need assistance with that, and there are processes built into flipped learning to help with that. But John and Sam talk about this whole students really need you much more when they're doing the higher order thinking. And that's normally what we send the students home to do, right? We might do some stuff in class. We might do a couple of bits of practice in class, but we've spent so long actually presenting the content that we then end up giving the harder questions or the harder higher order thinking tasks 
to the students to do on their own at home with their parents helping them and their parents may or may not be able to help them with it. And so one of the big arguments for using flipped learning is that gets reversed and you're now around to help your students with the things that they really struggle with. And the second key point within this book, okay, is that you're really teaching students to learn. Okay, so it's not just, you know, we're talking about what a flipped classroom is and now in order to do it well, you have to actually teach your students how to learn. And what that means is you teach them how to remove distractions so they shouldn't have, you know, be watching their phone and meant to be watching your video at the same time. Actually make sure they're focused on what they're doing, teaching them to take notes and they recommend the Cornell note-taking method, which is what I originally used for quite a while with my students as well. And so you teach them how to take notes from a video and also checking their learning. And so this for me is one of the key aspects here. So you can teach your students to check their own learning, but you can also just embed within your process a way to make sure that you are checking that the students have the knowledge and understanding before they actually come into your class. So there's lots of tools that will help you with this. You could use something as simple as Google uh, Forms, but there's also a tool called Edpuzzle, uh, and it's also in ClickView, I believe. But you can essentially set up a system that would tell you, you know, Edpuzzle would tell you how much of the video the students have watched, how many times they've watched it, and then you can embed questions throughout the video and you can check whether the students got those questions right, how many of them got which bits right, and you know exactly which students missed sections. And so before they even come into your class, you can go, all right, you guys didn't watch it, so the first thing you're doing is sitting at the back and watching the video. Uh, you guys, you watched it, you got all your answers right, so here's an activity for you to do. And you guys, you struggle particularly with this question, so I'm gonna sit down and reteach this section with you and just clarify whatever questions you might have about that to make sure they actually get that understanding. And so this whole process, you're teaching your students how to learn as they, and you're checking in and have this formative assessment process as well. It's really important you to set that up well with your students. And teaching them, you know, if things are on video, they can pause you, they can rewind you, they can check things over multiple times as they're working through this. They can pause it when they want to write down their notes and then press play again or, revert or rewind a bit. Uh, and you might have a student who's going ahead and watching you at double pace and taking notes uh, because they're capable of doing that. Whereas you know, in your traditional classroom, when you're presenting a PowerPoint presentation or content to your students, it can take you half an hour to actually present that because you're waiting for the students to finish notes, to move forward, but in actual fact, it's only a five minute presentation. Uh, but it takes so long because you've got classroom management issues and you're trying to get students to take notes as you do it. The next key point throughout this book is that the teacher's role is gonna change and it's changing from no longer being the person who delivers information in the classroom, so it's their role in the classroom that's changing, because you do still deliver information either through you know, the video or um, the PowerPoint slides that the kids read or a blog post you might write for them, anything, right? Uh, you are still giving the students the content or the information, but in the classroom, your focus is really on helping students learn. And I think that's one of the most impactful things of the flipped classroom approach is it's changing things up so that in the classroom, you actually have the time to focus on each student and their learning. And it really is amazing the amount of time that you get in your classroom to spend with your students. So you're now gonna provide way more feedback for your students because you can actually watch them do things over their shoulder or you can sit down with them and have interviews and chat with them and you now have the time to do that. 
Uh, you can come up with all those engaging lesson activities that you never have time for. You think, oh, I can't do that. I've got to get through the content. You now, if you flip a classroom, you can do those kinds of great activities. You can go deeper into the learning and you can start to really make the learning fun for your students because your role now is just to focus on the learning and to make the learning experience really engaging and really deep and something that meets the students where they're at, which is one of the big benefits of flipping your classroom. Now, John and Aaron also give us lots of reasons for why we should flip our classroom. So he said, they say that you know, students are used to consuming information this way, uh, and so therefore we should try and provide information this way and maybe uh, leverage that for our own classroom and the students' learning. It helps busy students. So often we have students who, you know, maybe it's because of their sports commitments or creative commitments, or maybe it's just life. Maybe they're working a lot. They miss chunks of school. And having a flipped classroom really helps with that. In fact, John and Aaron talk about how that actually is how things started for one of them. Uh, they had a student who had broken their leg and was going to miss a lot of school. And so they recorded the lessons that they were teaching in the classroom and sent them back to the students and shared it with everyone else. And then they found that actually lots of students were benefiting from being able to go back to those videos. And so that's how they started to flip their classroom. Now, another reason is that it allows for better differentiation for your students. Uh, so they're, you're, essentially the teacher is there to help with the hard stuff, right? like I was talking about before. And students are allowed to progress ahead a bit, right? With a general flip classroom approach, they'll progress just a little bit ahead. If you then shift into the flip mastery approach, they can actually move ahead a long way uh, and you need to be really well set up for that. So it's helping to differentiate and helping, you're there to help the students with the harder stuff. You're allowing them to go deeper into their learning and you can spend more time with your struggling students because your students who understand it can keep going and you can spend more time with those students who are struggling to make sure that they are getting the basics at least as they're progressing through the content, making sure they're actually learning. Now, you're also going to increase the number of interactions that we have as teachers with our students, and that therefore will increase the knowledge that we have of our students. It'll improve our relationships with them and help us to be better at meeting them where they're at and progressing them forward. Uh, so we can really start to help our students with their learning through that. It's also going to increase the student-to-student -student interactions because you have more time for collaboration in your classroom. You can set up structures where students go and ask each other for help, or you might even have students working together in groups as they go through some sections of uh, the content or the activities that are done. It'll change your classroom management process. You will no longer be standing at the front, waiting for kids to stop talking, waiting for them to pay attention, waiting for the kid to get out his book, to get his pencil. You're no longer waiting for the student to finish off their notes or um, waiting for a student who is just distracted, who doesn't want to sit still. And you know, we, I remember when I used to present, I used to ask all these ridiculous questions of kids just to point out the fact that they weren't paying attention. Uh, and so I would ask them, hey, Johnny, what did I just say? And they're like, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. So can you please pay attention? And then I'll repeat myself. But for every other kid in that class who was paying attention, I've just wasted you know, five, 10 minutes of their time by doing that. And so you're getting rid of all this and kids don't have to sit still. They can now move around, they can chat to each other about the learning. And I found that 
my students started to focus a lot more on their learning as well by doing this, by flipping my classroom. It had such a big impact. Uh, they talk about how changes, it changes how we talk to parents. So we can actually use video and stuff to send things to parents uh, and also educates parents because when you're flipping the learning, if parents generally help their students with homework, then they might be sitting there with the video as well, watching it and helping the students to understand things, to answer those questions correctly. And so maybe you will actually be responsible for educating the students' parents, particularly uh, if they come from a low socioeconomic status background. It makes your classroom quite transparent as well. Parents will always know what's happening in your classroom by knowing what the homework is and where the students are up to with their learning. And it's really good to, as a teacher, if you're gonna be absent for a day, maybe you're sick or something, if you've already flipped and you've got videos and activities, then your students can still continue to progress even when you're not there and still get the basis, right? They can still get the content, that understanding and the knowledge that they need. You may not be there to help them with the higher order thinking, but they can help each other. Uh, and maybe the other teacher will still be there to help with that as well, or at least be able to troubleshoot and do the learning process with them, which can be really beneficial for your students. The next key point in the book is about creating the content. So Aaron and John walk you through the process of, you know, there's all the equipment that you need, how to set things up, how to make sure your students are actually learning and going through this process and you're, that you're doing it well. And I found this particularly beneficial when I first read this book. Uh, so talked about, you know, homework, now it means the videos or the readings and stuff, the audios, the PowerPoints. Uh, and he talked about even with that content, you know, at what point do you use someone else's content? or do you have to create all your own content? And here really the 80-20 rule comes in. So if you create about 80% of your own content, that's fantastic and use 20% of someone else's because you still wanna be the person who's teaching your students. You still want your students to see you as the person who can help them get the answers. Even if you don't know the answer straight up, you still are the person that they should go to to help find those answers that they're after. They then run through a whole bunch of equipment that you could use. Now, the book is fairly old, so some of the equipment that's there is outdated, uh, but still there's lots of things in there. It talks about screencasting tools like Screencastify, Screencast-O-Matic. Uh, it talks about software like Camtasia that you can use to make these videos. And I highly recommend, if you are going to do flipped learning, I really highly recommend Camtasia. It is the best video editing software and screencasting software that I've ever used makes it simple, really easy. It's got lots of cool little shout outs, which are like the text that comes up to, with words or something, or you can put up things you're thinking, all kinds of stuff. So you can use those types of things. They talk about Edpuzzle and the places that you think about hosting it, things like Google Forms and stuff, uh, how to make things using just a phone, which is actually what I'm doing right now. I'm making this podcast and a video just using my phone. Uh, they talk about the importance of having a mic. So like this little mic here, I actually got based on the advice in this book. It's just a Rode lapel mic that works super well for this process. And I'm gonna say audio in flipped learning videos and anything is super important. So grabbing a good decent mic, and you know, this mic is not expensive, um, but getting a good mic really makes a big difference for your students. Then talks even about, you know, there's glass boards and all that kind of stuff as well for flipped learning, which is super cool if you can get one or create your own one and build it. They're really awesome. I've seen them. I've never actually made a video from them, but they are super good, super easy for doing this. 
And then give some guidance around your videos. So making sure that they are short. And the guideline is essentially one minute of video per year that the student is old, right? So if it's a five-year-old in kindy, your maximum length of a video is five minutes, okay? Uh, and then that gets capped at about 15 minutes. And generally you wanna keep your videos less than 10. They tell you that you should be animating your voice. So don't just talk melodramatic, talking about whatever it is that you're going through with your content. You wanna actually make sure that your voice changes, it goes up and down, louder and quieter based on kind of like how you would normally present it to a class. They encourage you to involve other teachers and actually chat to each other, have one student, maybe uh, one teacher or student, just the other person, right? They could ask you questions that you answer or you could take turns being the expert, all kinds of stuff. Uh, they encourage you to add humor, but not too much to waste students' time. Include things like animations and call outs to make the video more engaging. And yeah, use the zoom feature as well. You can zoom in and out on the person as you're going through the process. And I find that works really well for in the editing process. Uh, for any you know, mistakes that people make, you can cut them out and zoom into them in the face, etc. It's a good way to do some editing. And also making sure that whatever you create, that you are sensitive to copyright. Okay, so if you're gonna make a video and put it on YouTube free for everyone, you need to make sure you're not breaching copyright rules. You're not just stealing someone else's image. You're not just stealing someone else's uh, text and that kind of stuff. You're not embedding too many videos that someone else has made or the whole video that someone else has made making sure you're sticking to good copyright uh, laws. The next point, we then focus in, well, Sam and John focus in on class time and what you should really be doing in your class time. And this is where the impact really comes from flipped learning. So there's lots of studies around flipped learning and some studies will show you that they make no difference at all. It could even go backwards. Other studies will show it makes a huge impact and makes a massive difference in the students. And generally the difference is what the teacher is doing in the classroom. Okay, if you do flipped learning and you make your students watch a video at home, they come into class, they might watch the video again, or you might present it to them again, but you're not changing up what's happening in your classroom, that is when flipped learning isn't gonna be helpful for you. But this is where you wanna change what you're doing. So you wanna really make sure that you, you know, before students come, that you check for understanding and that you then differentiate based on the kinds of answers that you've had from your students as they've gone through the video. What have they actually provided you? Do they already understand it? Checking their notes as they come in to the classroom. Yes, you've watched it. Yes, you've got the basic um, outline there. Let's move on to the next thing. Answer their questions as they come in at the very beginning or something. You also wanna make sure that your class time is now really active learning. The students, yeah, we have time now, right? We have so much more time in your classroom, probably about um, an extra 50 to 60% of class time, depending on if you normally have an hour and, 90, uh, hour and a half lesson, you've got pretty much an extra hour. Uh, if you had an hour lesson, you've got an extra 45 minutes-ish in your class to do more hands-on practical learning. So you can do practical lessons, you can do labs, you can run workshops, you can provide your students with all these case studies, you're gonna do collaborative work. Flip learning works really, really well in conjunction with things like project-based learning, with inquiry-based learning, and with like STEM as well. This is a fantastic medium to use and to really help with those types of learning models. Uh, it's gonna allow you to provide a lot more feedback to your students, for you to do lots of small micro lessons, and so you might find yourself reteaching sections 
to a small group of students, like four kids, or answering a question for one student that another five kids would come and just gather around to hear the answer for. Uh, you're doing lots more formative assessment and knowing where your students are up to. Uh, you can use Socrative circles. There's so Socratic circles. There's so much more that you can use in your classroom to make the learning rich and engaging for your students. Aaron and Sam then move on to talking about flipped mastery. And flipped mastery, the difference here is basically that you no longer have a class moving through the content at the same pace. Now, flipped classroom is all about that. It's about, you know, send a video home, a homework, they watch the video, come in, do your learning activities. It's all different, it's engaging, it's fun, etc. But everyone's doing it together. Uh, and then they all go home, watch the same next video, ready for the next lesson. Flip mastery, however, is one, you're doing it more individually here. So a student, you might have a single student, or I actually find that with flip mastery, what happens is that my students tend to kind of gather in clusters. And so there might be three or four different groups of students who are at different parts within the course, but it's really set up so that the student can progress at their own pace. And so I would, for a topic, right, if we're doing a whole unit for a whole term, I can set everything up with all these other deeper activities throughout, but a student can work their way through that whole unit and be finished and start the next unit before another student in the same class is even halfway, right? Depending on you know, the difference in ability and the speed of learning for the students, but that's what Flip Marsh is about. It's about the student being able to progress through the content at their own pace, but they don't progress unless they've shown that they actually have mastered or at least are competent in the content that they just did. So in whatever you know, step it is as you go through the whole unit, they've got to show that they've mastered this bit before they can go on to the next bit. So it might be done through a quiz, through an interview. There's lots of different ways you can check. It's just formative assessment, right? Uh, you're going to do a formative assessment. Do they know this? Yes, move on. No, go back here, reteach, do something else. Uh, try again, move on, right? So students are only progressing once they've learnt the first bit of information that you've structured and how you've structured it. So here there's lots of formative assessment. Uh, if mastery or competency is shown, they keep moving on. You're organising students each week, okay? So you might each week sit down and go, okay, where are my students up to? What do I need to make sure they've got uh, as we go into this? Maybe you've got a group of three students who are like four lessons ahead and they're about to do a particular lab or practical activity. And then you've got another 10 kids over here that are a bit further behind. They're not ready for that practical activity, but they need to be doing uh, maybe it's a case study. And so you've got to make sure, okay, I've got to make sure I've got that case study ready to go. I've got that lab and everything ready for that lab ready to go. And so your students, you've got to make sure you're on top of it, okay? Uh, you'll be constantly shifting topics as you do this. So I've done this a few times, the, the flip mastery approach. I love it, right? It, it really can be very impactful. And I found myself constantly having to jump from one topic to the next, depending on where students were up to, what questions they had. And so you really need to know your content well to do a flip mastery approach. And I would not recommend the flip mastery approach if it's the first time that you're flipping your classroom. Now, flip mastery approach is really cool because it's going to meet the students at their point of need. And there are essentially five key components to the flip mastery approach. So one is having a clear objective, and then you want to aim, uh, sorry, match up your objectives to the inquiry 
process or to a direct instruction process. So what objectives do students need to inquire into or do research or practical activities into and what other objectives can we achieve through direct instruction? And then you create your direct instructions. Uh, you wanna make sure that you have really clear video access that you know all the students will be able to access the content, whether it be video, audio, uh, text, etc. But make sure they can access it. So if you have a student who can't watch videos, at least give them a transcript that they can read or something like that. You also wanna make sure that your instructions for each lesson activity are really clear in you know, booklets, handouts, et cetera, that you're giving your students. You wanna incorporate engaging learning throughout all of your classroom activities for your students. And make sure you create really good summative assessments that cannot just be rote learnt, right? So if you're gonna create like a multiple choice quiz, Okay, create a quiz that's going to be, you're going to say you're going to ask them five questions, but you're going to write 20 questions that are assessing the same things. And then you can get stuff that will randomly choose which five questions are actually going to be asked. And so kids will get different questions each time they do the quiz. So they can't just memorize it, right? And they can't just copy the person who's you know, two weeks ahead of them and get their answers. No, they need to do it. And yeah, you can set things up anyway, uh, or you can do more open-ended things that you then need to check. Uh, but you need to really think through how they're gonna do that process at the end. So they're your five key components. And this then allows for much better personalization and differentiation within your class. Now, the final point I wanna talk about is the teacher, right? So the teacher needs to be a master of their content. Right? If you're gonna do a flipped, mastery approach, you need to know your content really well so you can switch between subject areas. If you're just doing flipped classroom, you don't have to, you can be like however kind of a master you would normally be, a step ahead of the students, right? Uh, but if you are doing a flipped mastery, you need to really know your content quite well so that you have the ability to change topics and it has, it's not just new to you. You need to also be able to admit when you don't know something and then work with the students to find the answers. You need to uh, flow through a lesson, be happy to flow through a lesson in a way that is non-linear, right? So you'd be happy to just jump from thing to thing to thing and not need to go, okay, we're going from here to here to here to here, all right? Because that's not happening in a flipped mastery lesson because students are all over the place. They're not here, they're not here. They have one here, one there, one over there, or doing different things. Think too, you should set up your classroom differently as well for flipped mastery so that students can be in different places, and focused, you know, it could be kids watching videos over there, kids over here doing a practical activity and kids over here doing a collaborative discussion or something, you need to set things up to work like that. And you also need to be comfortable with handing the whole learning process and control of the learning process over to the students for the flip mastery because they are going to be the ones who dictate how fast they learn and the pace at which they go through things. Now there will be times within this that you might need to get alongside some students particularly, spend a bit more time with them to help progress them a bit faster if they're really starting to fall behind where you want them to be. Uh, but you're free, you're a lot more free to be able to do that in, your, in a flip mastery classroom than you would be in a normal traditional classroom. So this is a really great book. I would really encourage you to buy this book, to read through it if you're thinking about doing flipped learning. Uh, you can come on over to teacherspd.net slash flipped classroom, all one word, and that will land you on the page with the show notes. Uh, there'll be some videos there. I might even embed some YouTube videos that uh, John and Aaron have made about flipped learning. 
Uh, and you can even find a link there to sign up for, I have an online course that will introduce you to how to do flipped learning. Uh, and that is currently Nessa interim accredited. So it's accredited PD until the end of July. But you know, flipped learning, you're gonna get your classroom time back. It is much more engaging if you choose to make it more engaging for your students. Uh, mastery will even mean that students can progress with learning so that the students are not missed or left behind, right? You're not gonna have a student who doesn't learn stuff if you're taking on the flipped mastery approach, but please don't do that unless you have flipped before. Uh, it might be, and this is probably the thing that teachers worry about the most, flipped classroom and flipped learning, it is more work up front. okay? So yes, you have to make the, the videos or the content that the students are gonna consume, you have to lay out your unit. You have to actually have planned the whole program for the term in advance and thought through a lot of the stuff and then adapted as you go. But I've got to say, it will save you a lot of time in class. It will create a lot less behavioral issues with your students. It allows you to know your students a lot more. It allows you to create better learning that happens in your classroom to achieve better results. And it saves you time on the back end. It's gonna save you so much time when it comes to marking and formative assessments and checking on your students and where they're up to because you can do all that now in your classroom really easily because you've got that time back. So please come on over. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. Come and leave a comment at teacherspd.net slash flipped classroom. I would love to hear from you. I would love to know if you are keen to give this a go. If you want more support, please go and check out the course that I have for it as well. It is a really good course that'll introduce you to the process and walk you through all these kind of things. And along with doing my courses, you get you know, some access to me to help you as well to implement what you're doing. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and make sure you also come back next week because next week I'm gonna be looking at the book Dive Into Inquiry by Trevor McKenzie, which I think is one of the best books for anyone who is looking to create really deep, learning in their classroom that connect with their students. So come and listen to that. That'll come out probably in about two weeks. Uh, this week on Sunday, however, you will find episode 75 coming out of the Effective Teaching Podcast, the general episode five. And in this one, I'm gonna walk you through three simple steps that can really help to hook in and engage your students in your classroom. I'll catch you then.